Ordinary people God uses in extraordinary ways. Do you feel like you've been used in an extraordinary way in your life? You know, sometimes we, it's an easy answer. Yes, absolutely, I've seen what God can do with my life. And in some ways it's like, mm, I kind of think I'm average or less than average, kind of boring, ordinary. It doesn't really seem like God is using me in a miraculous way. And, and I think it couldn't be further from the truth. If you're a Christ follower and you're, you're following Jesus faithfully and you're, you're trying your best to, to learn and grow, you know, fail, yes. That one, it said, uh, you know, villains and heroes. I think there's a villain and a hero in every one of us. Um, we just need to admit that. You just need to repent of that. We need, uh, have, you ever, have you ever had something happen in your life that like threw a wrench in your plans? Um, you know, a, a delayed flight, for instance, that happened to us just recently coming home from Waco. Um, our plane coming from San Luis Obispo, California, was three hours late, and our layover in Denver to our flight in Scotts Bluff was two hours. And... Uh, I don't care how good the pilot is, he can't make up an hour. Um, we were taxing into the gate as our plane to Scotts Bluff was leaving the gate, and there's one a day. So we spent 24 hours in lovely Denver, waiting for a 425 flight the next day. Um, it kind of threw a wrench in. I mean, I, I, I sort of pride myself on uh, being calm in airports, and I really felt the level of frustration in me going up as the longer we sat. Now, I didn't yell at anybody, except maybe my wife. I, I don't know, did I? Okay. Um, but I could sense the frustration, and I'm like, what are you doing, David? Don't get frustrated. You have no, absolutely no control over this. None. Even the people you're talking to honestly don't have any control over this. Uh, a wrench, a new job maybe didn't go like you had planned. It felt like a wrench was thrown in it. Uh, maybe the plans that you had for your family. Or, or maybe you'd hope to be halfway through your bucket list a few years ago, and, and all you have to speak of at this moment is the bucket. You haven't even started because of something happened. Maybe you had hoped to retire in a nice, warm, tropical-like place, and, and because of circumstances, well, here you are. Windy, wintry Wyoming, but still wonderful, still Wonderful Wyoming. Some of you here today thought a while back that you were finished having children, but turns out um, you weren't. Some, some planned on having a whole quiver full, and they couldn't even have one. Uh, and that feels, like, that feels like a wrench. Where did that phrase even come from? I did a little bit of research, and uh, a definition from online said this. It describes the act of sabotaging or hindering a plan or project. And the, the, the origin is... Rather obvious in this case when you think about it. If you say you were, you were riding next to your friend on your bicycles and you took a wrench and you stuck it in the spokes of his bike, that's where throwing a wrench into things comes from. It wouldn't turn out so well for your friend, would it? Um, it, it think, of, think of it that way. Um, it can really mess things up. And, and when we think of our plans changing because of an outside power or circumstance, we often think negatively about that. We think of the word sabotage. Uh, my plans were sabotaged. I had such great plans. I've heard people say that very 
thing. And sometimes, you know, the word sabotage rings true. And, and, and there are certainly profound effects of a wrench being thrown into our plans. Um, sometimes that wrench comes from us. Sometimes we're the, we're the wrench thrower. We, we, we commit adultery. We, we, we uh, choose to sin, and, and sin is a big wrench. It's a big wrench in our life. A, a poor financial decision. Uh, the betrayal of a friend, a responsibility. And of course, that, that list can go on. And yes, we all definitely throw plenty of wrenches ourselves, and we need to deal with those before God, honestly. We need to repent of our sin. We need to face it. We need to, we need to get on our knees, we need to repent, and we need to turn, and we need to go the other way. That's wrenches from ourselves. But as we learned from Job, and as we learned even more recently from Jonah, God is a pretty good wrench thrower himself. And uh, he tests, he hurls storms, he puts up hurdles, and he guides our steps in other directions. But God's wrenches are not along the lines of sabotage, although they can feel like that sometimes. No, it is instead God hindering a wrong or not the best plan for me. I have this plan, and God says, whoa, 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 no, 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 trust me. That's not the best plan. I think it is, but he steps in. He hurls a storm. He, 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 he turns a nut with a wrench, and, uh, and he moves us on. Or maybe it's the start of a new and a greater plan. It is not sabotage. It is throwing a wrench in a good way. Now, in college, I had a number of relationships, and I explained to my counselor one day that it seemed like every time I got serious with a girl, every time that I could see myself married to this girl, God would pull the rug right out from under me. That is almost my exact words, the way that I described it to, to my counselor, and she helped me get through my thick skull that God wasn't pulling the rug out from under me, but in fact, he was saving me from something that I was trying to get in the present for something that he had for me in the future. Um, saving me from a mistake early on in my life, and of course, it's easy to see that now, as I am incredibly blessed by what God had saved me through. And uh, that right there. It's nice when our kids get married and we can get good family pictures, isn't it? Um, God's ways, listen, God's ways are not our ways. And that's for the better. That's for the good. God's, God's ways are always, always the best way. His ways are always the best way. But for us, not knowing the complete roadmap and not being able to see how all of this is going to work out someday, um, we have one question to answer. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust? Am I going to trust God with this? That is one question that Mary had to answer. Because she had plans. Mary had a bucket list, and I'm pretty sure that birthing the Savior of the world was not in it. That wasn't one of her plans. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 say this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. She was betrothed to Joseph, which was basically married, just without the honeymoon and living together. The commitment level, the covenant level for that marriage was the same as it is for us today. She was betrothed. She had plans. Joseph had plans. Get married. Probably add on a room to the family compound. Raise a family. Joseph would, would build things in his shop and he would sell them to support the family and they would go on, maybe go on some vacations along the way as they experienced life together. They would maybe serve at their local synagogue and they would grow old together. I'm guessing that as a, as a teenage young woman, those were the plans and the hopes and dreams that Mary had for her life. And being pregnant before she got married would throw a huge wrench into her plans. And, and making those kinds of plans was something that she should do. Mary should make plans. She was doing what every, well, most every human being does anyway, she had hopes and dreams and plans for the future, and we should too. We should make plans. We should make plans for the future. God gave us all the ability to plan ahead. He put heads on our shoulders, along with encouragement in his word to do that very thing. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes along to poverty. In other words, plan for the future. Plan ahead. Wise words from Solomon. Planning is good to do. It leads to abundance. And as we make those plans, we commit them to the Lord. We trust them into his hands. We seek, or should at least, guidance as we make those plans. Again, from Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans planning. You're going to have a wedding? Make plans. You're going to be moving to another town or city? You better be making some plans. Where are you going to live? Hopefully you have a job there. Where are you going to go to church? Make plans. You're graduating from high school this year? Anybody in here graduating from high school this year? Are you heading off to college? If you're heading off to college, where, what are you going to study? Where are you going to go to college? What classes are you going to take? What's your career going to be? Make plans. Mary made plans with the information that she had at the time. She had plans. She had a bucket list. She had a direction in which she was going. Again, betrothed to Joseph. I'm going to be his wife. I'm going to bear his children. And we're going to live happily ever after. I'm sure that's exactly how she thought about it. And yet she was trusting God along the way. And I'm sure that she was in communication with him. And then what happens? God throws a wrench. Not sabotage. This is a good wrench. Mr. Good wrench. No, that's, that just popped into my head, sorry. A wrench that would change the world as she knew it. And we need to take note here because in addition to being prepared for our futures and making plans, we also need to be sure that number two, we hold those plans loosely. We need to hold those plans loosely. The book of James has wisdom for us regarding this. James 4, 13 through 15. 
Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, he doesn't say don't make plans. What he says is instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Or a more, you know, Wyoming way if the creek don't rise. I never did get that living on the plains of Albany. I don't know how many creeks around. If the wind doesn't blow. There you go. Well, I mean, this, this, what James just described to us is an action and an attitude that we must make a part of our daily relationship with Jesus. Daily. Daily. Yes, make plans. Make plans for the future. In prayer, make plans. God, what, what would you have for me? Sometimes he's silent, and some, I think sometimes God says, you choose. You pick. And, I, and sometimes I think people are paralyzed by that. They're like, well, I, I don't know what God wants me to do, so they don't do anything. You know, it's not biblical, but I've heard that God can't steer a parked bus. You know, we, we take a step. Trust. Wait for the Lord to tell you. A major part of us is having, of this, holding our plans loosely, is having an ongoing conversation with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple days ago, some of you noticed this, um, the wind removed Mary's head out here. Um, Joseph's head went first. I guess his neck wasn't as strong. Um, Leela found him in the ditch right here and put him inside. Um, Mary's was, was, head was there when I, when I went home um, in, in the middle of the afternoon, and when I went by going north, it was gone. And, and as I was searching for it, I was having a conversation with God, and I'm serious about this. Now, I had texted somebody, somebody who I thought may have observed the head moving east, I sent a text to Trisha Otten, and I said, hey, you didn't happen to see Mary's head go by. <laughs> and her first words, that's what that was. <laughs> she said, the kids told me they saw a ball going through the field down there. And I, in my uh, parental wisdom, I said, no, it couldn't have been a ball. It was just a garbage bag or something anyway. As I'm driving up the canal road, going over towards the gravel pit, because she said it was headed for the gravel pit. So I drove up the canal road, and I'm praying, Lord, please help me find this piece of the nativity. Because I know, I know it's not big in the scheme of, of life, but Mary just doesn't look the same without <laughs> her head. And, um, and I, I didn't have a lot of time Friday morning to be chasing heads. Um, and so I was a little demanding. I'm like, Lord, I need to find this quick. I parked up on the canal. I walked down at the end of that pivot over there, and I looked down an irrigation ditch, and there's Mary's head. Um, now, what if I didn't find it quickly? What, 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 what if Mary, even this morning, didn't have a head? Um, 
Is it my right to be frustrated and, and angry about that? Absolutely not. Because I could conclude that, that was, it was within God's plan, though this is a simplistic illustration for Mary to not have a head at this moment or for us to figure out how are we going to replace it. What, what part of my experience of life does that challenge add? Because if I hadn't found it, I would definitely have concluded that morning that obviously God didn't want it to be found. And God continues on a daily basis to weave my story into his story. And he continues on a daily basis to weave your story into his story. Just like he did Elizabeth and Zacharias, just like he's doing Mary. Every aspect of our lives fits into this, doesn't it? Our routines, our scheduling, our planning. It certainly did for Mary. And as we see, as we continue to read in Luke 1, she indeed was holding her plans for her future loosely. Look at verse 28 and following. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Man, what a change in plans this is going to be. I can't even imagine how this impacted her life. You know, when people started to find out that she was pregnant in that culture, in that day, whoa. I mean, the rumor mill, I'm sure, was rolling at a feverish pace. But, 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 but John, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, sure you are. Yep. That happens every day. Who is the father? Is it Joseph? Is it someone else? What have you done? I can't believe you disgraced your family like this. And, and what about Joseph? What is he going to do now? In addition to the social and cultural ramifications of this, what about the biological and the practical changes that Mary, as a teenage woman, is going to go through? Yeah, God definitely changed her plans. And then Mary asks an honest question. It wasn't rhetorical. It wasn't a question like, yeah, right. You know, we've seen other women in, in biblical history who were told after being barren for decades that they're going to have a child and they kind of chuckle and laugh and God doesn't, I don't think, take chuckling and laughing too well. Mary asks an honest question, a very practical one. Verse 34, how will this be? How's this going to happen? Since I'm a virgin, and the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even, even, and if you still don't believe me, Mary, believe this, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. He doesn't always, but God sometimes sees fit to give us answers at the start of his changing our plans. Sometimes it's very clear. Well, of course this is what I would do. Sometimes it is not. 
But here he does. And the clearest example of this in my own life was, was I was going home to Albin. I was in college. I'm going home to Albin on my motorcycle from LaGrange. I'd been attending the LaGrange mini fair. Um, it was after midnight. I'm headed home in the dark on my motorcycle, um, driving like an idiot college student. Um, I mean, let's just say triple digits. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Um, look, how dumb is that? On a motorcycle in the dark, right? Through, through the, on the road from LaGrange to Albin, if you've ever taken that road, you know, it's open range. Just before I get to the stop sign at the little Catholic church that's just east of Albin, right there, I made it through the pastures and all of that, I'm okay. Just before I get there, I'm slowing down and I, the back end gets all squishy on me. And I have a flat tire. It's after midnight. Cell phones don't exist yet. Um, I, I, I don't want to go wake up some neighbors. So I'm, I'm just like, a co ongoing conversation. God, are you kidding me? Really? Why, why a flat tire? Why, why you know, now? Well, I'm asking all these why questions. Um, I don't want to get dad out of bed. Trust me, I don't want to get dad out of bed. So I'm walking. You know, leather jacket, long hair. Lots of cars went by me without stopping to ask if I needed help. And finally, a sheriff stops. I've walked a mile by now, probably, and a sheriff stops, and we have this conversation. And I'm like, so, you know, um, the trail days in Pine Bluffs was going on at the same time. I'm like, so you coming from trail days? He's like, no, I'm not coming from trail days. Um, Gordon Mom had a bunch of black cows out on the, on the S-curve. And, and there's this big S-curve. And you can, you can take that S-curve pretty fast on a motorcycle. Um, and I don't know if it truly actually dawned on me in that moment, but if I hadn't had that flat tire, I would have been to those cows before the sheriff was, and they were black cows on a corner, and I honest, honestly don't believe I would be here today if I had not had that flat tire. So you can call it a wrench if you want to. Um, that was a good wrench. That was a good flat tire. And many times, things that happen in our life that we don't understand, we may or may not figure it out one day, but I bet in the sovereignty of God there was some reason for that thing that happened. We need to trust him. Mary was cruising down the road of life with plans for her future in front of her. And this hurdle, this wrench, this flat tire, call it what you will, God drastically changed her plans. And what was her response? Look at verse 38. Oh, if I, could, if I could only have this same response when God changes my plans. What a woman. What an incredible young lady Mary was. I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary's response is, is the response that we too should have when things happen in our life. When God says, this is what I want you to do, or this is what I don't want you to do, we should say, okay, I am your servant. I will do as you ask. Because number three in your notes this morning, we should always let go of our plans when God applies a wrench. 
We should always let go of our plans. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Mary. Mary had to make a lot of adjustments in her life to accommodate what God was doing. She had to let go of what she thought was coming in the future of her life. She had to let go of her plans and hang on obediently and, and with humility to what God had planned for her. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The right perspective here, the right perspective when we, th- when we face things in life Um, It will guard, it will help guard us against bad attitudes, excessive anxiety, feelings of failure. God, I know you got this. Mary trusts, doesn't she? I mean, what a response. She must have known the truth of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. Trust. What about things, so then that brings us to a place, what about things that seem like moves God wouldn't make? Right, okay, I can understand that God would, he's bringing, he's bringing the Messiah, he's bringing Jesus, he, he needs to be born, he needs to be a man, so I can, I can understand that, though it made, had serious com, um, uh, ramifications for Mary. What about those things that, that, that we think God wouldn't make, or at least we don't think he would. Like another house fire. God, why are, seriously, why would this happen? Or another financial hit, or another tense situation in our family, or our marriage, or at work with our boss. I thought we were past this. Why uh, that something else, or, or we suffer consequences due to the evil and sinful actions of a friend or a family member? I would say many examples come to your mind. And, and God gives us encouragement, assurance, and direction when those thoughts cross our minds. Uh, Paul in Romans 8.28, this is a great, great verse to put in your mind and we know that in all things not some things not only good things in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose I bet that's a verse that Mary would have clung to in this moment I don't understand this I don't get it this in her case incredible miraculous work of God Oh, the thoughts that went through her mind, but yet she let go of her plans when God gave her different ones. May that be true of us too. Now, we should still make plans, but as we do, we hold them loosely and we trust God and he will continue to place our steps if it is the right plan and he will change our direction if it is not. And when he does, because it's more likely when than if, far as I'm concerned, we let go of them and we respond as Mary did, God, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. I'm going to trust you here. May your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, what a crazy turn for Mary and her betrothed Joseph. Now, sometime after the angel leaves, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And, and, And part of me says she just... She just needed to get out of town. I mean, the talk was crazy, and she's like, I just, I just got to get away. She was there for three months. I, you know, if it was really 
you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe they did finally convince everybody, doubtful, what was really going on. But Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed. She didn't utter this quietly. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears? The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth believed Mary's story. I bet that was so welcome news to her ears. She believed Mary's story that she had conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The miraculous baby in her own womb, in his celebration, gave proof of that. And while at her cousin's, she then sings this song. Verse 46, and Mary said, my joy, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty." He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Oh, may Mary's song be our song as well. We already have three practical takeaways from Mary's story from the three previous points, but I want to leave us with three additional ones here. You, you might call them homework, maybe. Um, first of all, when God changes our plans, we worship. When God changes our plans, may we worship. Mary chose to rejoice in God despite her circumstances. I mean, Mary shows a great amount of bravery, uh, seriousness, and faithfulness in being a willing servant of the Lord. She faced Intense ridicule and persecution for, for being pregnant before she was married to Joseph and possibly even death. And according to the law, if she had been found guilty of adultery. But Mary not only accepts the gift of carrying the Son of God in her womb and the public ridicule associated with it, but she also sings a song of joyful celebration in honor of the Lord. And may we too worship God even when He changes our plans. She never questions God or His goodness. 
Like Mary, may we respond to wrenches in our plans with an attitude of joy and praise and worship. For Mary's, from Mary's song, we learn about a girl who demonstrated true faithfulness to the Lord. I mean, how many of us would be, but God, that's really, that's uncomfortable. That's not what I had planned. That's, what are people going to think? And that wasn't Mary's response. She chose to worship and rejoice in God despite not knowing what the future held for her and the son who would be born to her. When God changes our plans, may we worship. And when God changes our plans, may we humble ourselves before him. Let's humble ourselves before him. In her song, Mary acknowledged that, acknowledges that the Lord is the one who has blessed her. The very breath that we have is a gift from God. The families that we have, the friends that we have, the clothes that we wear, the food that we eat, it's all given to us by God himself. Oh, we justify it and say, well, I worked hard for that. I worked hard for that. Well, no. I mean, I know you worked hard. And you should. But where did the work come from? Where did the ability come from to do that work? Oh, no, we... <laughs> song just came into my head. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble <laughs> when you're perfect in every way, right? We think that way. We can't think that way. We can't. Her attitude of humbleness and thankfulness is something that we can all learn from. Mary praises the Lord for his mercy, for his mighty deeds, and the things that he's done for Israel in the past. Um, thankfulness, praise, worship are all hallmarks of Mary's song. Which all of us can cultivate this Christmas and all the rest of the 364 days out of the year. It's part of our homework. Humble ourselves before God. Christmas is a time of worship and praise and thankfulness to the one who has redeemed our souls from eternal darkness and we got to remember that as we think of all those things that I have to do. I mean, I've had put up Christmas lights on my list for three, four weeks now. It took a headlamp and in the dark, but I finally got it done last night. Because I knew that, the, late, the, that the, the bus is going to go out later this evening. I had to have my lights up so everybody could see them. Actually, that's giving, that would be giving me too much credit. I didn't realize that until later. I just wanted to get them up. No, we can think pretty highly of ourselves. And, and Mary, look, we need to remember why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus being born into the history of the world. Emmanuel, God with us. He was a man. He was born to a woman. A red-blooded human being. Ordinary. If this hadn't happened to Mary, she would not have overshadowed any sort of history book. She would have thought that she was just an average, everyday woman like you do. Or man like I do. And we, we limit God, I think, by not recognizing that 
He uses us every day in the lives of other people. It might be one word, it might be a sentence, it might be through a text message, it might be a phone call, it, it, it might be, I don't know, fixing a tire, pulling up carpet, or uh, a wave on the road. You know, do pe- a lot of people don't do that anymore. Because they're, you know, they gotta get somewhere. They're trying to find that double line to pass somebody on a hill, right? That seems like it. See, His story, Jesus' story, was interwoven into Mary's story, and it is the same for all who are followers of Jesus. Our story, your story, is interwoven into his story, and then it becomes history. And when we trust him, it's a history worth other people looking back at and saying, you know what? It's like my dad's story. I I want my story to be like his story. Why? Because he was perfect? No, he wasn't. But he was faithful. He was faithful. See, Jesus is going before us to write our story. So when God changes our plans, let's worship him. For, not just for his action in our life, but that he is interwoven into your very life. The Savior of, the, of mankind knows how many hair, hairs are on your head. He, in fact, knows what you had for breakfast 10 years ago. He knows everything. And he knows what future he has for you. And we need to ask him and we need to trust him with it because his story is our story. So... When God changes our plans, let's worship him for that. Let's humble ourselves before his good and perfect plan. And when God changes our plans, may we acknowledge continually that he has everything under control. And it's sometimes it seems like, how is that even possible? But he is that big. Mary's song teaches us that God has everything under control. Mary would have been nervous about giving birth to the Savior of the Lord. I mean, wouldn't you? You know, it's not every day. Every day, a young teenage girl gives birth to the Savior of the world. But she chose to reflect on God's past faithfulness to Israel. She remembered what God had done. And may we do that as well because it encourages us in the midst of, of the change that's happening in our life. Mary sings in verses 54 and 55, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So no matter what wrench you may be experiencing, no matter what trial or struggle or difficult season you find yourself in this Christmas, may we be like Mary and remember God's faithfulness to us in years past. Because he is just as faithful and he is just in control today as he ever has been. God is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So as we continue to move through this Christmas season, let's joyfully celebrate the anniversary of the birth of his son into the world. As you hold the plans that you have made loosely in your hand, May you also surrender those plans to the plans that God has for you. 
And in that experience, let's recall Mary's song of praise. And instead of complaining and being bitter towards God's plan for your life, let's trust him. And sing a song of worship to him. Let's make Mary's words into our words. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit and have this morning. And Father, I pray that you would help us to trust. I know there's just so many different emotions and experiences represented by everybody in the, just the room here today, let alone those who are watching online today or sometime in the future. Father, I pray that you would help us to um, help us to surrender that stuff to you, to, to put those, those plans that we, have, that we have made that maybe not be coming to fruition on your shoulders and at your feet. Help us to trust you with those things because just as I have experienced in my own life, there are incredible blessings that come when we when we trust and when we surrender to you. Father, help us as we reflect on Mary and her experience in the Christmas story and as her story became your story. Help us to recognize that uh, you want your story to be part of our story. Help us to stay focused on the right things this season. And now, because of Jesus who came to seek and save the lost, and because of the name of Jesus whom we, we, we confess and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that he is the Messiah, because we are saved through the name of Jesus, we, this morning as we end our service, Help us to focus on that. Help us to focus on your name, Jesus. Amen.